stroke, he relayed in his haughty voice. It's nothing to worry about. What? Mum suffered a stroke. Mum was nearly ninety, but she was invincible. I was in deep shock. I tried to ring him back, but the phone was engaged. The dull bleeps reminded me of all those years ago, when the phone at my family home, the old mill house, was constantly in use. Thoughts flooded into my brain. Did I have to admit to myself that I hardly knew this man? Was the pretense over? He was the secretive man who had married my mother when I was young, and in those early days he did not go out to work, but lingered at home writing in his upstairs study. The same puzzling man later became famed in the world of motor racing when I was entering my teens. It was Tom hollering from his bedroom that evening that jerked me from my anguished thinking. Deep concern for my mother, tempered with fear of having to deal with Louis Stanley without her steadying influence. While my elder son crammed his tatty clothes into a holdall, I shouted housekeeping instructions to Rupert, who was studying for his A-levels, and the lively Hannah, who was fourteen. I called to Tom to jump in the car, and we left so quickly I didn't have time to wave goodbye. Little did I know, as we set off, that this would be the first of many stressful drives to Cambridge. My mother had been inspired to look for a larger house in Cambridge when I, her youngest, arrived. She immediately fell in love with the old miller's house that stood on the corner of a main road leading into the city. She would sit at the kitchen table, staring at the heavily netted kitchen window, searching for a glimpse of her delightful courtyard, and recall buying the place. A small part of the house dated back to the 16th century, but Victorian additions made the building an attractive, if chaotic, structure. However, this did not stop my mother's love for the old miller's abode. It was she who arranged for the gate to be painted blue. Later, she bought a brass bell with an arched clangor and had it fixed, so that when the blue gate opened and exposed the enclosed courtyard, it merrily jangled. "'Do you know, I paid £10,000 for the house?' she would say. We did. It was one of those oft-repeated family stories, one of the few she was allowed to retell that predated the arrival of Stepfather.' The kitchen was the hub of the household, welcomingly warm with steamy windows, the air filled with scrumptious smells. The aromas permeated through the thick heavy door and out into the cold passage beyond. Even on the coldest windswept Cambridgeshire days, the coke-burning boiler generated a cosy background heat. It sometimes produced pungent odours, overcoming the bouquets of roast dinner, apple pie and steamed greens, but even if the acrid vapours hurt my lungs, it made the mill house home. In those early days, if I had fallen down the greenhouse grating, been hit on the head with a rounder's bat, argued, or just could not do my homework, I would expect to find her in the kitchen, with an attractive apron strategically placed over her fashionable clothes. She might have kicked her high-heeled shoes to one side and be in stockinged feet, but she would be there. The radio would be tuned to the BBC Light programme, the network that soon became Radio 2, Housewife's Choice would be blaring out and there would be remnants of flour on her hands. Years of dedicated and loving culinary work had made the surface of the old oak table irregular. It was similar in many ways to a butcher's slab, with its ups and downs of wear and tear, with the pitted wood revealing the many chops and gouges of various cutting implements over the years. But the kitchen table was not just the place to chop meat, peel endless potatoes and roll out pie after pie. It was the place to do your painting by numbers, to play the latest board game, and the floor was always the best surface for any car game. 
car toys were always popular with me. In the winter, I set up a permanent scale-extric track in the playroom, and I would play for hours, putting oil on the back tars of the model cars to make the steering harder. Then, on warmer days, there was the garden to practice my cycling. I pretended I was driving a BRM, and I had to get the fastest lap. The washing line had been moved to above the asparagus patch, and if I reached up from the saddle, I could fix my stopwatch with a peg so that it dangled from a height. Grabbing it and clipping the button as I skidded in to beat my previous best lap time was all part of the fun. The garden had a maze of paths, so there were lots of corners to be taken at speed, and many were lined with low box hedges or hidden flat bricks. In those early days, when I got home from school on summer days, my mother would fling open the front door so that the flagstones of the veranda became an extension to the oddly shaped hall. The Victorian ironwork pillars that held the slanting glass roof made a superb backdrop to where mum...